0: And so this morning we come to Luke chapter 2, and I'll be reading verses 21 through verse 39. So now to the reading of God's holy word. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, Now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them, and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years, who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Israel, or in Jerusalem. So when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own city, Nazareth. Seek the Lord's blessing on this His holy word. O gracious God in heaven, we rejoice and give thanks to you for your word. We know that your word is our only infallible rule for faith and life. And as we come to this particular passage this morning, we pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts to receive this truth. And that as your word goes forth in the power of the Spirit, that it would find within each of our hearts that rich and fertile soil that will truly bring about a great and abundant fruit for your glory. We ask now, Father, for your blessing upon your word. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, it's the last day of the year. A day that many uh, pause to reflect on the year that's passed as they look forward in anticipation to the coming of the new year. Well, as you reflect upon the year 2023, what are some of the things that you will remember? Maybe you'll remember some accomplishments and, and some goals that were reached. Or maybe you'll remember some challenges and difficulties that you faced and that you have either overcome or perhaps they may have gotten the best of you. Is 2023 a year worth remembering, or is it a year that you would rather forget? How about when you consider your spiritual walk of faith? Have you made progress and grown in your, in your faith and understanding of God's Word? Or maybe you've been stagnant with little to no growth. Or perhaps you even have slipped back more than you have stepped forward. But whatever the reflection and What other memory of 2023 that you will carry with you into the future? One thing is certain. It's over. And what's happened in the previous 364 days cannot be changed. But tomorrow, a new year begins. And many use the change to then set new goals and resolutions for themselves. And so, what will be the resolutions uh, that you will make? Well, as Christians, certainly one of the things that we should always resolve to do, not just changing from one year to the next, but even day to day, is that we should always resolve To do all that we do to the glory of God. To serve Him. First and foremost in our lives. Because again, this is our chief calling in Christ. You see, God doesn't have any part-time positions available. He desires full-time service. And by full-time service, I don't mean just missionaries or ministers. No, it refers to each and every one of us. That God in Christ calls His people to serve Him. Each and every day of our lives, we're to live out our faith and to serve Him, glorifying Him and enjoying Him even forever. What does this service to the Lord look like? Our passage this morning gives us some snapshots of three different servants of God. First there's Jesus, who's God's servant born under the law. It shows us that He has come to fulfill the law and secure redemption for us, giving us an example of faithful obedience, even to the point of death. And then we have Simeon, who is a God's servant standing watch, and he shows us how to live in the Spirit, waiting anxiously for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then there's Anna, God's servant witnessing, who challenges us to proclaim the truth of God's salvation that we have experienced by His grace and mercy. And so first we're going to consider this morning Jesus, who is God's servant born under the law. Now this phrase, born under the law, doesn't appear in Luke's gospel, but it comes from uh, Paul's letter to the Galatians, Galatians 4.4. 4. In speaking of the birth of Christ, Paul says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law. What does Paul mean here, that Jesus was born under the law? Well, to be born under the law meant that Jesus was born in human flesh. As the son of Adam, born under the curse God had placed upon mankind for sin. It means that Jesus Christ, throughout his life, suffered and endured the effects of living in a fallen and sinful world, tempted in all ways that we are, yet without sin. We've seen this already in relation to the humble conditions into which Jesus was born. Again, reminding, remembering that such conditions point us toward Jesus' life of humiliation and suffering, culminating in His painful and shameful death on the cross. And so, ultimately, being born under the law meant that Jesus would suffer for our sins, and that He would pay the penalty of death that only we deserved. Jesus was born under the law to pay its penalty being born under the law wasn't just about Jesus suffering humiliation and death for our sins what we often and theologians often refer to as his passive obedience and that he submitted himself to the father's will and endured these humiliations now our faith and our hope is also rooted in Christ's active obedience that is since Jesus was born under the law it meant that he had to perfectly obey the law of God in every point. Now, this is something that we can't do because of the remnant of the sin nature in us. The penalty of God's law not only had to be satisfied by Christ's death, but the law itself needed to be perfectly kept and fulfilled. You see, perfection was the standard that God had set in the covenant of works with Adam back in the garden. But as we know, Adam failed. And because of Adam's failure, we who are born from Adam out of from ordinary generation, are totally unable to fulfill this requirement of keeping God's law. And so Jesus, born of extraordinary generation, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus came to fulfill the righteous requirements of the law. On our behalf and this Jesus began to accomplish even shortly after his birth five times here in in verse 22 and 23 24 27 and 39 Luke refers to the law and to Jesus coming to fulfill its custom or the actions of his parents involving him fulfilling that custom there are three chief ways in which we see that Jesus was here fulfilling the law. First, he was circumcised on the eighth day according to the command that God had gave, given to Abraham. Genesis 17, that he who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised every male child in your generations. He who is born in your house or bought with money from any foreigner who is not your descendant. That you know, circumcision was the sign and seal of God's a covenant with Abraham. That is, it was a way to set the Israelites apart, making or marking their entrance into God's covenant community. Even as baptism marks our children for the very same purpose. This is what the law required: that males eight days old ought to be circumcised. And Jesus here. Is having that law fulfilled. Well, secondly, then 40 days after Jesus' birth, so the circumcision 8 days, then another uh, 22 days after that, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus once again to the temple, and the days of her purification according to the laws of Moses were comp- completed. The law of Moses required that an offering for purification be made 40 days after the birth of Of a son. Now, the typical offering was a lamb for a burnt offering, as well as a turtle dove for a sin offering. And once these offerings were given, the mother would then be declared clean and permitted to return to the full fellowship in the community. But there was a provision made in the law for those who were unable to perhaps afford a lamb and a turtle dove, and so the law also provided. For the poor, two turtle doves or two young pigeons. And as we see here in verse 24, this is the offering that Joseph and Mary presented showing their humble means. And you may wonder, well, what about those gifts from the Magi, the gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Well, that likely wasn't given to them for another uh, six months to almost a year later. And so they had very little means. But there was another Reason that Joseph and Mary brought Jesus to the temple that day, because not only was Jesus a son, but he was also the firstborn son. As so we see in verse 23, every male uh, who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. Now, this law was instituted at the time when God delivered Israel out of the land of Egypt, and he claimed all the firstborn sons as his own position, as those who would serve him. Again, almost uh, very symbolic of the firstborn sons of the of uh, of the Egyptians who were destroyed by the angel of the Lord in that last plague. Well, here the Lord preserves and calls those firstborn sons of Israel to be dedicated to Him and to be in service to Him. Now later, uh, the Lord would appoint the Levites, the tribe of Levi, uh, for this service to Him. And the firstborn sons could then be redeemed to be exempt from this service. At the time of a child's presentation to the priest in the temple, a a redemption price could be paid to release them, and the child could then be raised by his mother and father. Though we aren't told that Joseph and Mary paid this redemption price, it certainly is implied by the fact that they are actually bringing Jesus to present him uh, at the temple before the priests. And so from these three examples of Jesus' baptism, uh, that he is uh, the, uh, not only a male child, but he is the firstborn male child, and, and that they're having to give these uh, presentations and make these sacrifices... We see that even as an infant, Jesus was fulfilling the righteous requirements of God's law. And this, of course, was only the beginning. Because as we know, throughout Jesus' life, that he perfectly fulfilled the requirements of God's law. In fact, he moved and he acted in perfect accord with the word of God. Not once wavering from what it had called him to do. Well, truly, Jesus Christ was the servant of God who was born under the law. He suffered under its curse and he obeyed it perfectly in every way. And this obedience of Christ to the law of God is what then secures for us our redemption and salvation. See, Christ obeyed God's law because we were unable to. And Christ suffered the curse of the law even to the point of death so that we wouldn't have to. And this he did for us even when we were undeserving sinners. And because of the redemption that we have in Christ Jesus, He now calls us to show our love and our gratitude to Him by serving Him through faithful obedience to His commands. And so this is our calling, is to serve the Lord by obeying Him, even as Christ Himself has given us an example. Although Jesus was the unique and only perfect servant of the Lord, he isn't the only servant mentioned in this passage. As next we come to, uh, we consider Simeon. Simeon is God's servant standing watch. Simeon was a servant of the Lord who gives us an example of what it means to live our lives in the spirit of Christ as we await his Return. Well, Simeon was awaiting his initial coming, we now are waiting for his return. And the first step to such living in the Spirit is to have that Spirit dwell within us. And this is exactly what we see with Simeon, that at the end of verse 25, that the Holy Spirit was upon him. The, the, the presence of God's Spirit was with Simeon, leading and guiding him in his life even as the Holy Spirit is with those whose faith and trust is in Jesus Christ. Indeed, with the Spirit in us, we're enabled to do many great and wondrous things for the Lord. At the beginning of verse 25, because the Holy Spirit was upon him, Simeon was just and devout. It's the Holy Spirit who imparts to us the gift of faith, having brought our dead sinful hearts to life. Simeon's righteousness and devotion flowed from this great gift. The Holy Spirit wasn't, in other words, wasn't a reward for Simeon's being just and devout life. But Simeon was clearly showing that the Holy Spirit was upon him. By living a life marked by righteousness and devotion. That is, by living a life devoted to loving and serving the Lord. With all his heart, soul, mind and strength. And loving his neighbor as himself. Simeon was serious about his faith. He was not a part-timer. Such just and devout service marked how he lived his life each and every day. Indeed, true life in the Spirit of God is a life that seeks to serve and glorify God in all things and at all times. It's also a life that eagerly awaits and anticipates with sure and certain hope the fulfillment of God's promises. Simeon was appointed by God to be a lookout, or, uh, to be a watchman for the consolation of Israel. And this consolation recalls really the messianic fulfillment of, of Isaiah chapters 40 to 66 and, the, and that servant of the Lord. Isaiah speaks of the comfort God would send to his people when he'd intervene, restore and redeem them from their grief and sorrows. For example, in Isaiah 51, verse 3, the Lord says, For the Lord will comfort Zion, He will comfort all her waste places, He will make her wilderness like Eden, and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in it, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. See, many were looking forward to the Messiah's coming, But of course they were looking for a political leader. One who would give them comfort from earthly afflictions and enemies. But Simeon was part of a faithful remnant that was looking forward to consolation and comfort that would have everlasting effects. Even leading to the one who would wipe away their transgressions and remember their sins no more. This is the consolation for which Simeon diligently watched. And he had good reason to anticipate the fulfillment of it even in his own lifetime. In verse 26, we see that the Spirit of God had graciously revealed to Simeon that he wouldn't see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. See, now other people knew that one day the Lord's Christ the Messiah would come and maybe they'd be alive at the time, maybe they wouldn't. But Simeon knew for a fact that he would live to see the day of Christ's appearing. What a great blessing this revelation would have been to him. Likely forming and shaping every aspect of his life so that he was always ready, so that he was always looking for the hope and comfort that God would send. Such is the impact. Of the word of God upon the life of the believer by the power of the Holy Spirit. And God graciously reveals to us in His word, the Bible, how we're to serve and follow Him. It's a wonderful thing that God has not left us in the dark guessing uh, about how we can serve Him and honor Him. No, He's clearly told us. The prophet Micah declares, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. The Word of God is our only infallible rule for faith and life. And the Spirit of God will not only give us wisdom to see it, but also the power and the ability to achieve precisely what He calls us to do. While submitting Himself daily to... The leading of the Spirit through the Word of God given to him is what led Simeon to go to the temple on this very particular day that Joseph and Mary brought baby Jesus to present him to the Lord. Imagine the joy and excitement of Simeon as the Spirit gave him knowledge that this child, and he had probably seen hundreds of children being brought to the temple uh, in order to be uh, be dedicated and to be set apart. But now, finally, this child, the Spirit would would prompt him, this child was the consolation of Israel for whom he had been watching and waiting for a long time. And Simeon immediately goes over and scoops up baby Jesus and blesses the Lord. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Note these things about this blessing. First, Simeon is requesting in a certain way a dismissal from the Lord, not only because that the task that he was giving, a standing watch looking for the coming of the consolation of Israel, was now complete because now this is the child. But Simeon also recognizes that he is now free to depart this life knowing that God has fulfilled his promise and that Israel will now be comforted. Simeon is now ready to die. But he doesn't respond with fear. He didn't shrink back from the day that he'd see the Lord's Christ, knowing that when he finally did, it would mean that his death would then follow at some point. And certainly Simeon could have avoided the temple all those years. In an attempt to kind of prolong his life. But he didn't. He looked forward to that day with great joy and anticipation. See, Simeon's heart was not set for this life. But it was set on the life to come. And he's able to depart this life now in peace. Because he has seen the Lord's salvation. And this points to the second note about this blessing You see, Simeon knows that ultimately, consolation means salvation. That the consolation the Lord was going to bring was true, everlasting salvation. Not a temporary relief from uh, mortal enemies, but salvation from the enemies of Satan's sin and even death itself. Simeon didn't just see a helpless, adorable baby on that day. No, he saw the promised seed of the woman who would rise up to crush the head of the serpent. Indeed, he saw the Passover lamb that would be sacrificed for the sins of the people. He saw God's salvation through Jesus Christ. And in verse 31 to 33, he unpacks the idea that this child is the Lord's Christ. But he also reveals that the benefits of the consolation, of this salvation, won't just be for Israel, but for all the nations of the world. Note how he says, all peoples. Thus including both Jew and Gentile. You see, this child shall be a light of revelation, because the Gentiles were in darkness. And the privilege of the oracles of God... His covenants, His promises, they had all been given to Israel. They had the light. But the Gentiles were in darkness. But just as God had long ago promised Abraham that He would bless Israel, and that through Israel, through Abraham's descendants, through His seed, all the nations of the earth... Would truly be blessed. Well Jesus Christ now is the light of the world. And he has come to shine the light of the Lord on Jew and Gentile alike. And so the wall of separation is going to be removed. And people from all nations will see this light and they will receive it. So that he will not only be the consolation and the comfort of Israel. But he will be the consolation and comfort of of all people, of every nation, tribe, and tongue, whomever the Lord may call. And this fulfillment of God's covenant promise to Abraham will truly be the glory of Israel. That is, Jesus Christ, as God's salvation for his people, will be the glory of Israel, no longer an impersonal cloud as it was uh, in the wilderness. But the Word became flesh and, and dwelt among us. That Jesus is the Emmanuel, God with us. And in Him dwells the fullness of the Godhead. And truly where God dwells, there His glory is also. So the glory of Israel has come. Its light shines to all people. But Simeon not only saw the Lord's salvation and the blessings it would bring, he also saw the cross. And we see this in his blessing upon Joseph and Mary in verses 34 and 35. Verse, this child has been appointed for the fall and rise of many, even in Israel. That is, he'll be the standard of truth and righteousness by which all will be measured and judged. See, there's not going to be any middle ground. Either you're going to be for him or you're going to be against him. Either you're going to believe in his name for eternal life or you're going to reject him and perish. Either you're going to rise in Him to glory on the last great day, or you're going to be cast down into the pit of destruction and everlasting fire. Truly the hearts of, of men will be revealed and made plain in their response to Him. That He will truly be a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both Jew and Gentile alike. Secondly, not only will he be a standard, but he'll also be rejected and opposed. You see, he's going to be a sign. A sign that points to God the Father in heaven. For he came to reveal and make his Father known. That people might believe in him. But many will ignore and reject this sign. Not only rejecting Christ in the only way unto salvation. But ultimately rejecting God the Father who sent him. And then Simeon concludes with a prophecy for Mary in particular. For there will be a deep anguish for Mary. Indeed, a broad sword will pierce her soul as she sees her son hanging on the cross. Now this would bring grief and anguish. But we can imagine it would also bring hope to her. Knowing that the Lord is sovereign in all things. Note in verse 34 that God is the one who has appointed all these events. And perhaps we wonder, Mary, who seemed to, we noted before, she remembered all these things when the uh, the shepherds came and uh, came to, to worship uh, the babe Jesus lying in the manger. She kept those things in her heart and pondered them. Mary, perhaps remember the words of Simeon. And they bring this child, Jesus, to be dedicated to the temple. Would she remember those words of Simeon as as she stood at the foot of the cross? Seeing this beloved son hanging there, his life slipping away. Would these words be a comfort to her in the midst of her grief? Knowing that if God has accomplished His will in the death of Christ, well then He would also accomplish His will in the promise of the resurrection of Christ three days later. And the salvation of the Lord and the consolation consolation of Israel would be complete and fulfilled in her son Jesus. Indeed, I think Mary would remember these things and be comforted. Indeed, this is what Simeon the servant of the Lord saw. By the power of the Spirit, he saw the Lord's salvation. But finally, we come to Anna, a prophetess, a faithful and devout woman who spent nearly her entire life in service to the Lord. And verse 36 to 37, we see that she was only married for seven years before becoming widowed. Now certainly, she would have been young enough at the time of her husband's death to remarry. But this wasn't the life that she'd seek. Instead, she devoted her life, perhaps up to some 60 years of her life, to the service of the Lord as a prophetess, and as one who served night and day in the temple with fasting and prayer. So diligent and regular was her service that Luke says here that she never left the temple. Indeed, God's house was truly her house. What a great example we have here of not only a continual daily and lifelong service to God, but also of how God is certainly pleased to use us at whatever stage of life we may be. See, you're never too young, and you're never too old for the Lord to work His grace in you and through you for His glory. Anna, now in her old age, was still being used mightily by God. Anna's service in the temple was about to even expand uh, even more so. As she'd be God's servant who witnesses to the truth of the gospel. Just as Simeon was pronouncing the blessing, Anna in verse 38 gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of Him to all those who looked for redemption in Israel. See, she gave thanks because Jesus, the Lord's Christ, had come. Born under the law to fulfill it perfectly and pay its penalty for us. She gave thanks because she'd now seen what Simeon had finally seen. The salvation that the Lord had long ago promised. And filled with great joy and gladness, she didn't keep this good news to herself. But she shared it with others, with all those who were also looking for the hope and comfort of God's redemption. I note here that she didn't just speak about this once and then forget about it the next day. But she continued to speak of Christ and the salvation that he would come to bring. Indeed, what a great challenge for those of us who've seen in faith and have tasted of God's salvation that Christ has accomplished. To do, to go wherever the Lord would have us go for as long as we're able, never ceasing to remember or to speak what God and Christ has accomplished for us. You may wonder, well, what has He accomplished? Friends, remember that we were dead in sins and transgressions. That we were enemies of God. That we were despisers of His truth. And yet, the Lord sent His Christ, Jesus, who was born under the law, that He might perfectly fulfill it. And suffer the penalty and curse that it demanded of us. Even death. As Jesus offered up his own life as the once for all perfect sacrifice for our sins. And then he secured the victory. When he rose again from the dead on that first resurrection day. And it's the same Jesus. Who now lives. And he sends his Holy Spirit to quicken our dead hearts. And blesses us with the gift of faith. Enabling us the undeserving sinners that we are. To serve and to glorify Him all the days of our life. And even on through death itself. To all eternity. Beloved to God, this is the gospel of God's grace. The good news of the Lord's salvation. Believe on Christ and you will not be disappointed. And truly may God alone be glorified both in you and through you. As you seek to faithfully serve Him. Not only in this new year. But every day in all your years. Until He comes again in power and glory at the end of the age. Let's pray. A gracious God in heaven. We rejoice and give thanks to you for your word. We thank you for the challenge and the reminder of these great wonderful truths. These examples that we've been given of of servants who give themselves. Especially the Lord Jesus Christ. Who secured for us our salvation. He was born under the law. And he fulfilled it. He paid its curse. Which we deserved. And he perfectly did what we could not do. Keeping the law in all its points. So that we would truly have salvation. And peace and reconciliation and the forgiveness of our sins. Father, all this Christ has done for us. And we're reminded of of Simeon and how he uh, lived in the Spirit day to day. Eagerly waiting and watching for the coming of the consolation. And it has now come. Even as we wait and eagerly watch for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ in power and glory in the last great day. But may we also be challenged to be like Anna. His faithful and diligent. That once experiencing the salvation of the Lord. Declared it to all. To her dying days. As a faithful servant bear witness. To all that you have done for us. Through Christ Jesus. Father, we just rejoice and give thanks for these reminders. And again, as we reflect upon uh, the year that is ending and the year that is soon to begin, may we truly resolve within each of our own hearts to be faithful servants, that we too would bring glory and honor and praise to your name in all that we do. We pray that you would impress these truths upon our hearts, that your spirit would apply these things and that you would draw us all closer to yourself. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.